Pushkin. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. Before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision and her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey everyone, today we're revisiting one of the early great episodes of Broken Record with legendary producer Nile Rodgers. Over the course of a more than half a century long career, Nile Rodgers has played a signature guitar on, written, or produced some of the greatest dance songs of all time, including Diana Ross's I'm Coming Out, Daft Punk's Get Lucky, and Madonna's Like a Virgin. Back in fall of 2018, Niall met up with Bruce Hedlum at the same New York City recording studio where 35 years earlier, Niall recorded the Let's Dance album with David Bowie. But this time around, Niall brought his famed disco funk band Chic to the interview to perform live renditions of their classic hits, including La Freak, Good Times, and Everybody Dance. So all the music you will hear in today's episode was recorded live, one take, just for us. In between performances, Niall shares exhilarating stories from his life, including how he found salvation as a young jazz guitarist whose teenage mom struggled with heroin addiction. Niall also talks about the night he played old James Brown tunes with Prince and Rolling Stones guitarist Ron Wood at a small club in London. And Niall explains what it was like going out clubbing with Madonna as her star was exploding in the mid-80s. This is Broken Record. Liner Notes for the Digital Age. I'm Justin Richmond. Here's Bruce Hedlum and Nile Rogers from New York City's Power Station Studio in 2018. That's the original guitar. Yeah, this is it. You still only use one guitar? This is it. I only use one guitar. Do you only have one? No. No, I have about 200. Okay. <laughs> Do you have a nice hollow bodies? So Mainly I have oh, really? jazz guitars, yeah. I'm just going to make sure I'm... The Angelico, the Eclistos. L5, Super 400s. But this one was, when did you buy that? 1973. Wow. 
And what was it? Wasn't an expensive one? You put it on your no, neck, it was cheap. Right? I didn't actually. So I traded my jazz guitar, and they gave me this and three hundred dollars. Wow. So if in 1973, imagine them giving me $300 plus a strap. Like what was a jazz guitar worth in those days? Woo. I mean, even though it's a strap, it's not like any other strap. Yeah. It's light as a feather. It's thinner than anything you've ever seen. It's the 19th strap that they made in 1959. Right, look at look at the difference in just look at wow. look at the thickness of the headstock there. Yeah. Just check it out. Look at that. You can see it all the way from there. Look at this. Yeah. This one. You've, you've got big hands thin. though. You don't need a you don't need a thin. Wow. No, I got small hands. Oh, you do? Oh man, Jesus. You ever see real guitar players like those guys like Steve Vai and shit and, and Hendrix? Like for me, when I'm when I'm playing classical guitar, I I really have to to get this stretch in certain pieces. Mm -hmm. That that's a big deal for me. Like I have my finger way down here. Most classical guitar players can still you can still see some of their thumb, but me, I you still practice classical? Not really. There's yeah. no point. But I just did an orchestral version of Let's Dance. And I had an idea of playing classical guitar. But um, it felt better to have Bully singing with the strings. It was amazing. Oh, yeah? <laughs> it's unbelievable. I want to ask you about all the songs. But let's start with Let's Dance. I want you to tell me about the first time you heard the song. Yeah. Um, the, the very first time David played Let's Dance for me, uh, he walked into my bedroom. We were in Switzerland. And I believe that he had said he had just written it the night before. And he um, walked into the studio and he played something. Um, something that sounded like that. You know, it was like... like and I was like, mm, that, that was, um, and he was into it. <laughs> um, and um, he had the lyrics as well. Well, he just, he, he was singing very um, true to it. Like he knew what it was. He was singing. Um, it's almost hard for me to do it. Um, uh, what was he doing? No, I did that. Uh, ah, that's what he's doing. He's going, Let, let's dance. Song on the radio. Let's dance. Something like This way. Don't light up your face. And then I asked him if I could do an arrangement. Uh, so I fooled around with it and I was going. And I knew that he liked jazz, so I could put in the jazzy chord, and I could tell that he would like it right away. But then when I moved it from A minor up to B flat, it actually had a different vibe. It got it got brighter and like and funkier sounding. So I started going. You can already hear it, like. Mm. Oh, and by the way, when I started playing it, I only imitated his just for a few bars, I started going. But that still sounded dark. So then I moved it up an octave and I went.
But because of the whole disco sucks back, backlash, I didn't want to do checking on David Bowie's album. So, mm-hmm. so you um, ended up slowing it down after that. Um, yeah, and only playing. Like, so if you hear the demo that I did in Switzerland, I'm chucking. I'm actually playing, you know. When you hear the original demo, I'm, I'm doing the Nile mm-hmm. Rodgers thing. But when we got to America, I made a conscious decision not to do that and had the horns sort of doubling me and giving it some punch. And when Bowie and I walked into the studio, um, Bob Clear Mountain was getting the different uh, delays that he was going to use on the various instruments, on the drums. So we wound up having a multi-tap delay happening on the guitar. So even though all I played was, the rhythm that you hear winds up sounding something like, Now, Let's Dance has many fans. It has one very famous fan who always wanted to play with you. Um, oh, my God, Prince. Is that, is that who you're talking about? That's yeah, who I'm yeah, talking yeah. about. Oh, my God. Yeah, so um, for years, I mean, I can't even tell you how many years. Maybe uh, since the first time I met Prince, um, he had asked me to play Let's Dance live together somewhere. So we had played live together in London at a little club in Camden. And we did not play Let's Dance that night. I'm I'm positive of that. We played a bunch of James Brown songs and um, maybe the Ohio players and some funk songs. Uh, When I walked into the club, he was playing with Ron Wood. And I don't know what they were playing. I don't remember. I was really pretty high in those days. But they were probably playing a blues or a jamming on a popular rock song, Sunshine of Your Love or something like that. And then when I walked in, Prince said, whoa, now Rogers, now this man has the funk. And he gave me his guitar and he sat down on the keyboards and we just jammed for like, I don't even know how long. But that felt like one of the most amazing nights of my life. And I remember uh, calling the concierge at my hotel and asking them if they had purple roses. <laughs> I didn't know if there was this, <laughs> if there was anything as a purple rose, if they existed. So I said, figure out a way to make them purple, either spray paint them or put food coloring in them and send, I don't know, I was pretty absurd in those days. I may have sent like a hundred purple roses to Prince's room. Nice. (laughs) It's crazy. But you ended up playing the song. Uh, Yeah, eventually. So years later, he tricked me a couple of times. Um, We both were living sort of in Turks and Caicos uh, a bit. He bought a house down there. And I uh, was part of a, a resort project. And um, and one New Year's Eve, we played. and Oh, it was cool. And John Bon Jovi came when John got his start here. Uh, so John Bon Jovi and Prince came to the show. And Prince said to me, oh, wow, tonight is the night. Now I'll get to play Let's Dance with you in the band. So we set up, the, you know, set up his amp and everything, did the whole sound check. We're ready for Prince to come out and play. New Year's Eve, the place is crowded. Everybody's having a good time. And uh, we're doing our thing, and I get into the middle of the set, and I say, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest coming out tonight. I think you're going to love this, uh, Prince. And I introduce him, and the band, we're just standing there, and no Prince. He doesn't come out. 
and I keep introducing him. I go, uh, Prince. I, I don't know if I start screaming, Prince, because <laughs> I knew he was there. And someone told me that he actually ran and hid because he wouldn't come out. So after a while, we just said to hell with him. We played the song. And then at the end of the night, I didn't even ask him. Maybe I asked him why he didn't come out or something. I don't even remember. But we wound up playing. It was great. Everybody had a good time. But I was embarrassed as hell. So now, fast forward a year or two later, and we're playing a show with him at the uh, Superdome in Louisiana, in New Orleans. And he told us that he was going to come out. Now, we're in front of like 70,000 people. <laughs> and I'm not going to be this idiot and make the same mistake again. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest for you tonight, Prince. And then he doesn't come out. And I'm standing in front of 70,000 people and he doesn't come out. At least at the resort, there was only about 200. So I didn't, I didn't introduce him, even though he, we went through the same steps. We did sound check. He had his amp there and the whole bit. So uh, when we get to the part of the song where Ralph tells the whole crowd to jump, 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 I'm, I'm standing on the stage and I'm jumping up and down. And then I hear this crowd like give this loud roar. And I look <laughs> to my left and there's Prince jumping with me, jumping up and holding his hand up in the air. And the crowd freaks out. And then we go into the next bit and he takes over and starts soloing. And it's just killing. It's so good. So he did a little bit of like the sort of Stevie Ray Vaughan kind of thing. But then he went into like just chucking with me. And that's when it got nuts. And you can go online and see it. It's on YouTube. It's so great. We'll have more with Bruce Hedlum and Nile Rogers after the break. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card. The only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, attempt to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hello, hello, Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History, my podcast about the overlooked and the misunderstood. A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Outliers. It was about exceptional people, the ones who operate at the outer edges of human performance. Outliers fascinate me. And last year, I discovered an outlier in the form of a community organization, Washington State's City of Bellevue. 
The city wanted to improve public safety by making their roads safer. So they created something that no one had ever built before, a platform that gave road users warnings of any dangers ahead in real time. How did they build it? By using a combination of technologies, the cellular vehicle to everything network, T-Mobile's 5G network, and 5G connected cameras. People driving, bicycling, walking, running, can't forget people running, and people operating the transportation network now had a way to prevent crashes. It's been a huge success. The city of Bellevue earned first place in the community category at the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards, an event that celebrates T-Mobile customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of meaningful change. If you're a T-Mobile for Business customer and your team has, like the city of Bellevue, innovated something really, really cool, I encourage you to enter. It's also a great way for outliers to be recognized in front of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. We're back with Bruce Hedlum, Nile Rogers, and Sheik. Now, I looked up, and this is for the music nerds out there, I looked up the chords to Everybody Dance, mm-hmm. and it's uh, a C minor 7th. Yes. Uh, B flat 11. A B flat 11. I should let you tell the chords. You know the chords better yeah. than I do. C minor 7, B flat 11 to C 11, A flat major 7. Now, this chord, you can spell it a number of ways. I like to think of it as A minor 7 with a raised 5 or A, a minor a minor 7 flat 13. Uh, but most people would probably call it a D minor 11 with an A in the bass um, to a B flat 11. Okay. Okay. Uh, and the reason for that is because um, I wanted to have this chromatic movement. So... Right, so it goes... Everybody dance, do-do-do-do, clap your hands. Okay, you're a serious jazz guy. Yeah. Nobody else would do it that way. No, I don't do think you, so. Do you, do you do all your songs that way? Do the, is it that kind of courting? I like to think so. I mean, look at Let's Dance, how cool that is. I mean, that's um, that, I guess that's somewhat of a trademark of mine, putting different types of jazzy chords and cool voicings um, in pop songs. You know, look at Diana Ross. Mm-hmm. I'm coming out and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you also, was Everybody Dance the first time you used a breakdown in a song? Um, no. 
uh, breakdowns were actually quite common in in our live shows. Um, it was just the first time I did it when I was recording and I was the boss. Right. Every other time that I recorded, I was not the boss, so I mm-hmm. didn't have any control over what they did. Yeah. And was that from jazz, like breaking it down like that, having nah, kind of rebuilding? Nah, it's just an R&B a- thing. It's a, it's a R&B disco thing. It's a common R&B move. You would hear a lot of R&B bands break down and go, now I want to talk to the ladies for a minute, or I want to talk to you, or like mm-hmm. Earth, Wind & Fire, when you hear them say, Pop, I want to talk to you about things I see every day, you know, and they break right. down on the record. On, yeah. um, uh, it's all about love. Mm-hmm. So it was very common in R&B to do that. Everybody dance. talk a bit about good times you said in an interview once that all your songs are nonfiction. absolutely and they're often about things that you want to see happen can you tell me what what good times yeah so so um when we wrote good times um in america at the time we were in the midst of the greatest uh financial recession since the great depression we had gas rationing you know i mean if you lived in um, New York State, I remember if your license plate ended with an even number, you can get gas on a certain day or an odd number, it would be a, a different day. Um, so times were sort of hard. And we thought, well, what other period in American history seemed to feel like that? And we went, wow, you know, <laughs> the Roaring Twenties and the, you know, the the Great Depression in that sort of jazz era and the whole thing about dance marathons. And that's why we came up with the whole Yowza Yowza thing on Dance, Dance, Dance. So the whole concept of the first few Chic albums was all jazz era stuff. And uh, on Risqué, when we finally did Good Times, we were confident enough in our band to now sort of expose our formula to the world. So the lyrics to Good Times were sort of ripped off from Al Jolson and the song um, that they used to sing after um, Prohibition when they were happy days are here again mm-hmm. and then the stars are going to twinkle and shine the evening about a quarter to nine so we go happy, happy days are here again right that was cool we start right with it so we are obvious Good Times came out at a particular political time because the Disco Sucks movement had come. They'd had the the riot in Chicago. Yeah. Um, Summer of 79. What did that feel like for you? Well, it was really interesting because it it was sort of like a a biphasic 
kind of feeling because when we found out about it, we were on an airplane flying from Europe back to America. So it happened while we were away. And we didn't think of ourselves as a disco band. I mean, listen to every Chic album. We have ballads. Everyone has an instrumental. There's always a jazzy you know, type of thing. The Diana Ross album is incredibly, as far as the composer is concerned, I got to say that that's really unique. There's nothing I've ever written that sounds like that before or after. That was purely written for Diana Ross. I mean, you listen to a song like I'm Coming Out, and I mean, I have a fanfare in there. I mean, we're... When we first saw Diana Ross, Bernard walked up to me and said, wow, look at that. She's like our black queen. So I kept that in my head. Mm-hmm. And when I wrote that fanfare, uh, I said to Diana, I said, look, you know, like when the president of the United States walk, walks in the room, they go, da, 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 hail to the chief. I said, this is your fanfare. <laughs> and I told her, I said, you will never start a show without this song ever, the rest of your life. And now we see 35 years later, I was right. She okay. never starts a show without playing I'm Coming Out. That's the beginning of her show. Although one, one of your most famous songs, uh, The Freak, is actually about being rejected at a disco. Correct. Uh, can you tell that story quickly? Yeah, so our first song, Everybody Dance, was the real sort of super cool club song um, on our first album. Even though Dance, Dance, Dance was popular and was big on the radio and was platinum, 12-inch, I mean, it was huge. It was everybody dance that really secured our vibe as a cool hip underground dance group and so grace jones had heard everybody dance and she was a fan of that song and she was thinking about having these two young new producers do what would then be her next album uh she said that the only way we could truly understand her uh, artistically is to see her live show then we really would understand who grace jones is But the problem was we had only spoken to her that one time. We never met her. We were on the phone. So Grace has a very unique accent. She's the only one on earth that sounds like that. And she says, so darling, you you go to the back door and you tell them your personal friends of Miss Grace Jones and they will let you in. So we did that with that accent. And the guy slams the door in our faces. And while he's slamming the door, he's going, oh, fuck off. And we said, no, 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 no. We keep kicking the door again because now we had to be above the level of the music. Now, once we finally got his attention, so we wanted to get him before he walked away from the door. So we kicked really hard. And he said, you know, he reiterated what he had said. I told you to F off. So we knew we weren't going to get in. It was New Year's Eve, 77, going into 78. And uh, we were walking back to my apartment, which is on 52nd Street between 8th and 9th. And to get there, we had to pass a liquor store. So we bought two bottles of Dom Perignon, which in those days we called it rock and roll mouthwash. We bought two bottles of, of DP and went to my house and we downed them so fast, we got really lightheaded. And we turned his rejection phrase, F off, into freak out. We went, off. Well, when we first wrote it, we wrote a whole song using the original lyric mm-hmm. and thinking of uh, every situation where the appropriate response would be, fuck off. So we're playing, 
If a cab driver cuts you off, don't, don't fuck off. <laughs> and I remember saying, if your mother asks you to do homework, fuck up. And we were into it. We were laughing, feeling great. And then finally, my partner, Bernard, says, oh, my man, you know this is happening. And I'm like, oh, Bernard, you know, this is two years before hip hop. Well, we can't get, you know, radio record on the radio that's got the F bomb in it. But uh, somehow, we wound up uh, with Freak Out. We have to take a quick break right here, but we'll be right back with Bruce Headlam and Nile Rogers. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hello, hello, Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History. If you've watched a professional tennis match recently, you'll know that fans had this amazing new tool at their disposal. It was created by the consulting company Infosys and the Association of Tennis Professionals. It's an immersive 3D viewing experience for tennis fans, which allows them to watch matches from new angles, get real-time statistics, and better understand the inner workings of the game and its athletes. Basically, a completely new, data-driven way to appreciate a tennis match. It's been a huge hit, and I'm proud to say that the Infosys Tennis Platform earned first place in the Customer Experience category at the Unconventional Awards from T-Mobile for Business, an event held at Mobile World Congress in Las Vegas that celebrates customers who've boldly innovated for the sake of meaningful change. And I think it's important to point out that innovation like this doesn't just require a great idea and exploit some great underlying technology. It takes courage. Because tennis is a game with a long history and some pretty powerful traditions. I mean, you can only wear white at Wimbledon. Still, it's the 21st century. And here was an idea that said we can dramatically change the way a fan watches a match. We can feed them data can allow them to see things they could never see before with the naked eye, or even conventional camera angles. If you want to turn a world upside down, you have to have a pretty strong backbone. That's a lot of what the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards are all about. Finding people and companies who show that kind of boldness. I encourage you to enter. It's a fantastic event, 
and a great way to be recognized for your brave, outside-the-box thinking in front of the industry's most influential leaders. And an even better way to say, I told you so. You can enter by July 31st at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast, Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. We're back with Bruce Headlam, Nile Rogers, and Sheik. Uh, you mentioned that you and Bernard didn't see yourselves as stars, as front men, and you saw Sheik very much as this organization. Yes. You've built this incredible career. You've had hits literally in every decade since you started um, by being this great collaborator. Why does collaboration seem to mean more to you than being the front man? Because as a composer, I write for ensembles. That's what I hear. The only time I could ever think of writing a composition that was actually recorded and performed for either a soloist, a solo instrument, or maybe a duet, is just for films. Like in Coming to America, I write this cue where they go, the royal penis is clean, your highness, and it's just like a pan flute, (laughs) (laughs) you know, pan flute and harp. Um, And then uh, in the movie called Soup for One, I do this thing called Tavern on the Green, and it's just uh, me playing classical guitar along with um, a Yamaha CS80 synthesizer Mm -hmm. with my keyboard player. But those are the only duets that I've ever really recorded. Everything else is for a bunch, a room full of people. But in your, your autobiography, which I'm going to recommend to everybody because it's, it really is this incredible life story. And it is if sort of James Baldwin and Charles Dickens wrote a book together, <laughs> Thank it, you. It, it may start to approach your, you know, you had a very, uh, you come back to this, a very lonely life. Yeah. Uh, you were around uh, your parents and your stepfather and your mother, whom you love dearly, but who would send you on bus rides across the country by yourself, right. who often left you alone. And at they that, were heroin addicts. I mean, they, they, were, they, yeah. they were in pursuit of their number mm-hmm. one love. In a way. Uh, and when, when someone first tuned your guitar and you played, I think, A Day in a the Day Life. A Day in the Life, right. And you thought, I'm going to be, were you thinking, I want to be a star? I want to be up on stage? No, 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 no. Um, um, prior to that, I had only really played classical music 
So I just wanted to be part of a symphony orchestra. I used to play the clarinet, which is funny now because if I tried to play the clarinet, it would probably sound hysterical. But uh, my dream when I was a kid was to be a part of, and maybe that's what it's all about, is because I've always wanted to be part of an orchestra, to be part of an organization. Mm-hmm. And uh, because in a big symphony orchestra, basically you could hide, but you know, every now and then you might get a great solo. You know? Right. So that was sort of my dream growing up. I wanted to emulate my biological father, who was always just a percussionist with bands. He was never like the guy out front, like Tito Puente or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you liked that sense of anonymity? Yeah, because it was the way that I I never felt attractive or anything like that. Um, and when you looked at stars, stars were always like, you know, they walk into the room you know, and you go, I remember I used to walk into a club with Madonna. Now, I'm born in New York, knew every club owner in town, and I'd walk into a club with Madonna, and she was relatively unknown, and people would go, hey, who's that girl with now? Who's that girl? You hear a din. Like, who's that girl? Who's that girl with now? Who's that girl? Um, and she was unknown, but that's because she was a star. She felt like a star from the moment you met her. She, you know, they just have that thing. Bowie It's a star. He mm-hmm. walks in the room and like, wow. They just, you know, you could feel it. So I knew I never, it's funny, I always laugh. I say, you know, if I walk into a room with Lady Gaga, people go, oh my God, there's Lady Gaga. And they go, wow, Gaga. And they go, hey, Nile. (laughs) (laughs) You want to be the hey, Nile guy. I like being the hey, Nile. So like I've done, you know, maybe almost like, uh, I mean, I heard the other day, they said like 15,858 recordings, something insane. Uh, but still, I walk in the room and go, hey, no, how you doing? Hey, man, how you doing? <laughs> I think... Hey, hey, Fran might beat me up if you guys go any farther. Then we're not going to go any further. Um, and I would stay here all day. We only have one more song to talk about that staff punk, but I think we're okay. All right. That was... Whoops. Unplug. That was just fantastic. Bruce and Niall didn't have time to talk about the Daft Punk song Get Lucky that Niall played on and co-wrote. But Sheik did perform it for us. So here it is in its entirety. Like the legend of the famous All ends with beginnings. What keeps the planet spinning? The force from the beginning. I'm up all night for good fun I'm up all night for good luck again 
Now Rogers for the incredible stories and to Sheik for the performances. We heard Now Rogers on guitar and vocals, Ralph Roll on drums, Kim Davis and Falami on vocals, Rich Hilton and Russell Graham on keyboards, and Steve Janowski and Brendan Wright on horns. You can hear all of our favorite Sheik and Now Rogers produced songs on a playlist at BrokenRecordPodcast.com. 
Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash broken record podcast, where you can find all of our new episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at broken record. Broken Record is produced with help from Leah Rose, Jason Gambrell, Ben Holiday, Eric Sandler, and Jennifer Sanchez, with engineering help from Nick Chafee. Our executive producer is Mia Lobel. Broken Record is a production of Pushkin Industries. If you like this show and others from Pushkin, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus. Pushkin Plus is a podcast subscription that offers bonus content and uninterrupted ad-free listening for $4.99 a month. Look for Pushkin Plus on Apple Podcast subscriptions. And if you like the show, please remember to share, rate, and review us on your podcast app. Our theme music's by Kenny Beats. I'm Justin Richmond. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month. Less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com to start a new musical journey today. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you, and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there.